Hello and uh, welcome to DevOpsona. My name is Lauri and I am the Chief Marketing Officer of Evicode. When we hear and read about the benefits of DevOps, we often learn that DevOps accelerates software delivery and that this in turn drives business performance. Also, we learn that the best DevOps performers are more than twice as likely to achieve or exceed their objectives in profitability, productivity and customer satisfaction. But how does a DevOps transformation look like from a practitioner's perspective? We had an opportunity to spend some time with Henry from OP, a customer of Efficode and one of the largest financial companies in Finland. Henry has the first-hand experience on getting a large organization on a change management journey, and he's happy to share that with us. So let's tune right in and listen to his experiences. Good. So here we are. Henry Helakari from uh, from OP in Finland. Welcome. Glad to have you in, in our show. Thanks, Laura. Today we talk about... Uh, DevOps transformation and and before before I let you define what is DevOps transformation, why don't we give you a floor to just briefly introduce you? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, yeah, Henry Helakari uh, from OP. I've been uh, working at OP now uh, roughly three years, uh, and my my history is uh, from the telecommunication business. So there I'm working with the with the giants. So the Nokia and Ericsson have been the telco houses I've been working for. And, and basically from there now to the banking sector. And then three years here and uh, yeah, like uh, my responsibilities now are the engineering and DevOps. So heading, heading basically the technical transformation here, here at OP. So, so that's then then part of the entire OP enterprise agile transformation and and then the technical part. So, so DevOps, how do we work? How do we work from the technical point of view? The ways of working, uh, the the practices there, and uh, and then as well the how do we take that that how do we combine the development and operations? Of course, breaking the silos as as everybody knows. And then the engineering part, so so basically modernizing uh, the the way we do the software. So taking the the cloud into the picture and and what sort of a ways of working we have in the software development side. Then once once going more towards the DevOps. So that's that's then the responsibility area. And and then you asked that how do I see the DevOps? So if I put it into the one sentence, so increasing the software delivery performance is is my interpretation of that and there there of course we have a lot of lot of things then then behind the scenes how do we achieve that so what caused you to start um, what was called devops transformation at at op so what was the starting point for you to um come to let's say a program decision that we we would need to do something programmatically called devops transformation and w- was there some underlying business problem that that you you thought that this is specifically something that we want to solve uh yeah yeah there were actually um, um 
several things led uh, us in, into the point of basically initiating the transformation. So from my point of view, there are not, not a single thing, but a, but a several thing, things. And uh, I think uh, at OP, uh, people, uh, people, uh, had talked about DevOps, I think roughly in 2016 already, before uh, I joined here, and and then I, my journey starts from 2017. So so uh, we we talked about DevOps during the 17. Then then we basically started some some actions on on 2018, and and then at the end of the 2018 there was a um, initiative basically the whole op enterprise agile transformation started and then it kicked in in early or beginning of the 2019 so from that point of view um, like with the devops transformation we were at a correct place at the at the correct timing because the whole sort of a uh, beyond devops the transformation was initiated um, early 2019 but of course, then there were like uh, sort of a technical things that led us starting this transformation. So there were really siloed uh, dev and ops, uh, as it's pretty usual, and and that like those were separated in an organizational level. And then then basically developers didn't know what was happening in ops and and vice versa. So that was of course evident and and clear. Uh, that there is uh, something something to be improved there. Uh, then, of course, we we sort of witnessed uh, quite quite a slow, uh, as I mentioned, the software delivery performance. So so there, if if we treat that as a KPI, so there we were not, I would say, in a good shape. As well, uh, like a developer experience. Uh, like from the tooling point of view, how smooth your everyday work is as a developer. So, so those sort of a things were basically initiating the change from the tech point of view. Then, if we go to the more like shift to the non-tech area of things, so um, we we basically had uh, slow learning and, and experimentation capabilities like as we were were not that fast so of course then you are not able to learn from your customers um, experiment together with your customers so so getting that getting the feedback loop in place and then if we again go to the more what was the actual i think like at least from my point of view the business problem was uh that uh, we wanted to get better better customer experience and, and then the problem statement related to that. And, and then we're talking about the learning and experimentation uh, doing together with the customers. And of course that then requires uh, faster reaction, reaction and sort of a uh, adoption capabilities uh, for us as an organization. Interestingly, not not too long ago, I talked to the CTO of uh, Wim, Sami Pippuri. Uh, mm. You perhaps know him, and and we discussed with him about agile and DevOps, and uh, I remember him saying that 
somewhere in his past uh, there was a situation where there the team was sort of falling behind the expected release cycles and uh, they were not able to keep up with the expectations and then suddenly things changed and uh, and then when they had to give an explanation to the positive change to the management that's when they revealed that actually we just adopted some new methodologies we haven't told you um had Did you have similar experiences from individual teams or some pockets in the organization where somebody in the organization had begun um, adopting DevOps practices or agile practices before you uh, embraced this bigger transformation project? Uh, yeah, of course, we ha- we had some sort of a individual teams or or pockets in the organization that that had adopted the, the ways of working and, and those we actually used as an examples. Uh, we, we learned from them as well that how, how they are doing things and, and brought those forward, of course, those those stories that how things are actually um, in a bit better way in those teams and, and pockets uh, in an organization where they are doing things in a bit different way. And uh, then as well, of course, we, uh, as we started to initiate the transformation, so we, we piloted certain things and, and like tried to increase the, the automation capabilities and, and methodologies. So we, we piloted those in, in certain teams, individual teams, and then brought those uh, experimentations uh, like, to, to, like to the bigger uh, audience so that these sort of a benefits can be achieved once adopting this sort of a things uh, and, and putting some, some new things in place. So, so that was uh, kind of a crucial uh, at the beginning to, to, to sort of uh, get those uh, first small wins and uh, in those individual teams. And then that sort of uh, broad trust and, and and these sort of things for the larger audience that, okay, this is uh, the way to go. You already referred to some of these uh, these objectives which or the problems and objective, which is improving the release speed, improving the developer experience, improving the learning and experimentation, the feedback loop and customer experience. Uh, how How did you go about selecting the specific KPIs So which which KPIs uh, were important for you? And uh, and then the follow-up question is, once you have specified those KPIs, how did you uh, collect the information? Um, actually, so um, the the KPIs, we of course we we thought a lot about the KPIs. So what are the what are the proper measures and and KPIs and leading indicators, lagging indicators, this this sort of a thing. So that was a thorough. Uh, process of, of thinking and, and investigating that what are the proper measures like indicating technical agility and and those things uh, but then we we actually uh, ended up using and and we selected those probably the people know about the dora metrics mm-hmm. so so about that google owned association which uh, probably probably a big part of the enterprises are using so so about those uh, lead times deployment frequencies then of course the the quality is emphasized as well 
the the MTTR, uh, which is the mean time to restore change failure rate. Uh, uh, so so those sort of a metrics and, and KPIs then we actually selected. So uh, so it's about the speed, of course, uh, gaining the speed, but then then you're not able to compromise the quality. So so those need needs to be balanced. And and then as so that is sort of a holistic view of uh, of of telling that what is our software delivery performance. So are we able to deliver? And then in case we are able to deliver, so are we able to do that in a in a sustainable way? Hmm. So so what I'm what I'm usually saying here here in our cooperation that we should do sustainable development. So according to the to the climate change discussion as we're doing like in a, in a global scale, so that software development should be done in a sustainable way as well. Yeah, and then then of course uh, behind those those metrics, so they are like in a lower abstraction level. So we we have of course uh, probably in a team level that the commit counts and that sort of a measures, but but those uh, those what I mentioned earlier. So those are sort of an organization uh, organizational metrics and and interpreted in an organization the the how how we are performing as an organization. Yeah. Yeah, DORA metrics are particularly interesting for me uh, as I have recently focused on sort of net present value calculator on on not only DevOps but specifically DevOps platform. And it's interesting to see when you when you really have to sit down and figure out the factors that that influence a certain metric, let's say cycle time or lead time. Like how how is the business case really building up? And that's a that's mm-hmm. of course what's called a spreadsheet exercise. So we can sit down and make certain assumptions and then build a business case with this hypothetical. But then it's it's a completely different situation to then go back to the organization and go back to your uh, your um, systems in place to try and get the real information out to mm-hmm. reflect what is actually going on in the world. So how accessible were the data for you that that gave you that information that you were looking for. And if I'm not mistaken, the Dora has these four metrics, which is the lead time, cycle time, there's a deployment frequency, and then there's a time to restore, uh, if I'm not, mm. if I don't remember them wrong. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, the, the data, uh, like as we had it, is what it, it was accessible uh, since the, the sort of a systems and tools we have in place uh, are these uh, uh, publicly known uh, systems? Uh, we're talking about the Gyra and and those kind of a tools. So so we had that data available and accessible, but of course putting putting a, a, like those measures in place, so there was uh, uh, information missing. So so we didn't have all the data points in place in our systems, uh, which we need. Uh, to to measure those uh, those things that we wanted to measure, so there was uh, some some new sort of uh, data mining and data collection need to be started, so to be able to put down uh, those measures and 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 actually start to see that what is the current state and and where we should go. But but yeah, some data 
was in place and and then some was missing but then just like starting to starting to measure that and of course like in some cases it required some uh, some sort of once new data needs to be collected so then that needs to be produced first so mm. so we need need to or or we sort of agreed that um, these sort of uh, data points needs to be in place so then it means that uh, teams basically need to produce that data and and of course it always needs to be like kept in mind that uh, this sort of a data collection uh, is not supposed to generate uh, a lot of new work if any to the teams so that we're not uh, we're not uh, consuming the time from the teams uh, of to to the this sort of a work that they are putting some some data in place which is which is not um, sort of a productive work from the from the mm. team's point of view what's your experience uh, with uh, harmonizing processes and harmonizing data and what i mean by that is you you want to like you sit down and you decide you want this this type of metrics out so to to measure the output or measure the the effect of a change and then you face the fact that you have disparate processes across different organizations and of course the tendency would be either to go and change the process or the different processes would be harmonized to deliver the same type of data or you could try to solve that problem in in the data layer where like the even though the process would be different than the data that different uh, processes produce are comparable how, how do you evaluate this this challenge like changing the process versus changing the data that the process produces uh, I think like harmonizing things, uh, whether it would be a process or data or, or whatever. So in a big organization, it's always like a extreme challenge. <laughs> like when you when you have tens and, and hundreds of teams, so it's always really difficult. And uh, like, uh, of course, we we have been streamlining some of the processes that needs to be streamlined. Uh, and uh, and that is a challenge but then then of course we are doing some things as well in the in the data layer that not everything needs to be harmonized but we're trying to sort of do our data mining and 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 the tricks then like once we are handling the data that we're getting the the correct data points out from that data even though it's not produced in a really consistent and harmonized way throughout the organization so so probably like we're doing both and and of course then these sort of things needs to be automated uh as as far as possible so so that we're not relying on manual processes or or manual data collection but but producing those in an automated fashion and uh, yeah but like some work needs to be done like for the teams that we're doing our tricks like in a data layer so so that we're avoiding some extra work in the team so it needs to be sort of attractive as well for the teams and easy speaking of the teams um we haven't discussed uh, about where are you right now with your project so so maybe we before we go into talking how how the transformation has panned out for you where are you right now in this in this devops uh, transformation yeah so uh so as I said, so basically still the 2019 was like setting the scene and, and sort of 
initiating the change like in an official way uh, as the OP agile transformation uh, started as well but like 2020 I think uh, like this year is uh, is about like building up capabilities and, and competencies of, of people and teams so we are we're educating uh, our our people sort of in the so that they know uh, about the cloud development, about the DevOps, about the a APIs, that sort of things, which are uh, an integral part of the modern software development. And, and there we have our own uh, own software academies and, and that, that sort of things. Uh, we're introducing these new, new KPIs to our organization that what is our way that we are sort of uh, evaluating and, and driving uh, steering the chains, for example, during the next year. What are our objectives there? Uh, again, then increasing our capabilities from the tech point of view, uh, and and then from the non-tech point of view as well. So, so what are the what are the most efficient ways to to handle the backlogs, and what sort of principles we should uh, apply there? Um, I think it's as well the we're sort of uh, trying to, or not trying, uh, but but putting in place that teams have time for improving things, so so that we have a permission and and we have a license in teams to improve things and and to learn and not just like build day in day out the new features, because that's that's not sort of a sustainable way of doing things so putting the ways of working in place for that sort of uh, things and and then then as well we're creating creating uh, building blocks for our teams uh, like in a centralized manner we're talking about the the, the pipelines or or that sort of a tech stuff uh, like which then enables teams to be more productive and that we're not doing those things over and over again in all of our teams but we're building the ready-made building blocks which team team can then utilize and and deploy into their daily work uh, of course then then as well uh, getting getting more teams on board starting initiating their uh, devops journey so whether it's about the automation or or the backlog management or whatever. So getting more teams, more ambassadors uh, within OP on board. And uh, then, then of course, we're as well doing a lot of communication uh, about the success stories, about the failures, like, and whatnot. So that people know what is this all about and, and we're sort of spreading the message as well a lot during this year. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have seen from from marketing team that there there are a lot of practicalities or or rules. It's a real wrong word, but anyway, mm. that that you can take from from uh, from the methods and and practices you now from DevOps and apply that to different areas. And uh, specifically in marketing, what we have found out is is the technical debt management. When we hand off things, they are not always as good as we would want them to be. And there's always a reason to go back and make it better later. And there are a million examples how 
how you could do that. And I remember reading from uh, from I think it was Gene Kim's The Unicorn Project where he referred mm. one of some of the underlying literature saying that if you want to keep your house clean, you have to dedicate some 20% or so time for technical debt management. Um, mm. It's not easy for the marketing team, and I can only speak for the marketing team, even though you have permission to do that. So I'm curious to hear how, how it has turned out for you when you give permission to technical debt management. Uh, do you still find the time to do that? Uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting question, and, and I'm quite happy that you actually asked that. So yeah, it's not easy. So so the our our sort of standpoint was that it was not allowed. Uh, we didn't have the permission, or the teams didn't have a permission. So actually, how we did it, we did it like from top down. Uh, that uh, there needs to be a permission. So we went all the way to the roof to the executive leadership, uh, like proposing that this sort of a this sort of a like model for the time division needs to be in place we're talking about the 70 2010 uh so that 70 percent of time like you can picture it for example during the one sprint two week sprint so 70 percent of the time should be consumed uh into the normal daily work 20 percent of time should be improving the daily work and 10 percent of time uh, should be sort of learning building up one's competence and 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 sort of a experimenting new things so that's the way we proposed it uh and that was that was approved and now uh let's say for the past half a year we've been like working with with different parts of the organization that how do we actually deploy this sort of a methodology and 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 way of work um, into our daily work and and how should we plan according to this and and what sort of objectives there would be um, so that we are continuously improving things so so it's not easy and and with this sort of a uh, like often I'm finding myself discussing discussing about this thing with the, with the like business directors and 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 like people that have really uh, really the business background and not mm. that much a technical background. So, so we, we are argumenting and, and discussing about things that like 20% of time paying, for example, the technical debt. So what is the return on investment? And, and like, is it really paying off? And so, but we are having still uh, hard times sort of deploying that in, into daily work of teams and tribes, but, but I think we're proceeding. So uh, we have started from zero we now like increase the the let's say the percentage what that we're using for improving things paying the technical debt so it's it's definitely now more than zero but but not in a we're not in in a shape we would like to be yet but of course that's natural it's a big change like uh in an organizational level and not happening overnight so patience is needed but uh but but I think we're still making a big impact once once we're proceeding with this initiative as well. Yeah, I remember, I, I don't know who has originally said it, but I believe it has been attributed back to Amazon saying that whenever you have to select between doing the daily work or improving the daily work, you should always 
select the the latter because you are yeah. making the 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 tomorrow better than today. Yeah, I exactly, and and that's uh, yeah we've used this used this as well that nothing is more important than improving your daily work, so so that it would be easier tomorrow than it's today, and and you would be the developer would be happier uh, to come to work tomorrow than one is today. So, but yeah, it's yeah. a big change in in minds and mindsets. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the furthest that one can take that I think, and again, I'm I'm not quoting anyone because I would be remembering wrong. But the quote was that the the miracle of Toyota wasn't manufacturing. The miracle of Toyota was the improvement of manufacturing. So, uh, yeah. so we are, we are on to something when we when we think about the improvement of daily work. What I wanted to uh go back a little bit is is looking at the metrics from today's perspective so we discussed about s selecting the metrics and setting them in place and going for collecting the information are there some metrics that you can see are already bearing fruit yes um i think yeah we we are now in a point that we we have all the data in place uh and we have sort of a visibility where we are now we we know what is the current state I would say that those metrics uh, uh, we haven't we haven't sort of improved yet, uh, at least uh, in a big way, uh, like when reflecting those uh, those metrics. But uh, that that is actually a game plan as well because those are rather new things. So this year our our focus has been a lot in improving the capabilities of teams and we're not sort of that much measuring based on the hard data yet during this mm. year. So this year 2020 is about uh, building up the capabilities and there we have this sort of a self-assessment tool built uh, for the teams where they are evaluating their, their selves. Of course we're calibrating that they are doing it like roughly in a proper way but they are sort of indicating their progress uh, like based on certain list of things. Uh, let's take an example that are they using VIP limit um, mm. in their backlog? Uh, are they using, like if you go to the tech side of things, so are they using uh, trunk-based development or mm. is uh, unit testing in place? So these sort of things, uh, and it's, it's a self-assessment of, of teams. So based on that sort of a maturity assessment, uh, we're assessing teams and our transformation is a proceeding during this year, like uh, in an organizational level. And then uh, moving towards the next year. So then we are taking more than the hard data and this, these DORA metrics we, we talked about already. So taking those more into use. So, so therefore, this year is is a bit more this sort of a softer year, and then mm. then probably next year is a bit. Of course, always once you use use the hard data, so it's about a bit harder and and not not sort of a assessing those sort of a soft things, and it's not anymore based on the self assessment, but based on the data. I personally think it's the right way to go because you are empowering the teams. Um, with also with skills and it's it's not about going back and said you should have known how to do it yeah and i at least like personally i feel that 
if we would have gone this year like straight to the deep end of the pool and 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 like the measures would have been these hard database measures so that that would have been probably a bit unfair like to mm. the teams because if you don't have the capabilities if you don't have enough competence let's say about the cloud native development so it's quite unfair to measure that what is your deployment frequency if you don't have then the basic fundaments in place but the give time, give the possibilities and and those sort of resources to, to build up the competence and capabilities. And then we shift the focus a bit more towards the hard database measures. Yeah, said said another way, perhaps uh, one of my former colleagues who I, I posed the question to him um, earlier in that, um, which way you should uh, go culture first or the tools first. He said that absolutely you should go culture first because if you go tools first, all what you are doing is you are building up uh, measurements and you are building up practices to uh, to uh, to prove what you already know. Mm. And that's not going to be very useful to just have... I mean, there is a value in confirming your hypothesis but but like like what do you gain by spending one year only to learn to know for the fact that what you what you thought was true instead of investing in culture and empowering teams and enabling them and and, and building the change of culture what you said that something that has been forbidden for a long time uh, suddenly making it a sort of embracing that it's not it's not a policy change it's a culture change and that that yeah. needs time yeah, 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 definitely needs time. But then as well, yeah, I, I definitely agree uh, on that. But then like what, I, what I've what i recognized here at OP is that uh, when we talk about culture, so because it's sort of a fluffy, fluffy mm. term, what is, what is culture? What is DevOps culture? So it's fake and fluffy. So on the other hand, then the tools are concrete. So, so my like sort of a, uh, how, how I, I see it is that when you talk about culture, so you should give the view of the culture, what it's about and, and what are what are the sort of building blocks of, of, let's say, DevOps culture. So first you need to see the soil and talk about the culture, but then rather fast, you, you need to be at least a bit more concrete. Then give the tools, talk about the automation, uh, that sort of a concrete software related things and, and and matters and and bring the tech in and and then bring some benefits out of those and then again show the gap like between the between the culture and tools because probably the tools the pipeline all that automation is then again probably re- revealing the 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 sort of a gap that we need to fill by again talk about the culture and and of course like let's say let's say an example that we need to allocate more time on the continuous improvement uh the mm. pipeline probably can can be visible that our test asset is is not uh reliable so so then then like how i see it is that the tech reveals that the culture is not in place so so it's probably a mix of things and and it it might depend as well that 
what sort of a people you have there that you need to convince. So if you go the culture first on, or then the concrete things first. Yeah, I actually had a question for you, which I, I was hoping to ask at some point. Uh, what advice would you give to someone in the same situation you were before you started the transformation? What you just mm. said uh, uh, can be part of that answer, which is that technology or tools reveal the shortcomings yeah. in the culture. But is there something else you think, uh, based on everything that you have experienced, if you if you went back to the same situation you were in in the beginning mm. of the pro- program and you thought, okay, having learned everything you have learned now, um, is there something that You know, what what lessons learned would you do take and probably do something in a different different way or different order now that you know everything you know yeah i think uh we're learning every day and and every hour so there's a there's a mm. lot of learning so i think what has been really good like from our point of view from the devil's transformation point of view is that we really like within the whole op agile like enterprise agile transformation so we we sort of uh had the buy-in already from the executives so so we have a top-down mandate and and then the executives are saying this is the way we go we are mm-hmm. our objectives is to be like agile and and business agility is our priority so then it means that these sort of things are prioritized as well in a, in a tribe and team level so that is really a key And it enables a lot of things and removes a lot of redundant discussions with people because that is our common priority as a as a company. So that needs to be in place. Of course, then uh, you like before you're starting. So like learn and and get the current state from the organization. Like there are various methods to get that, but uh, get the feedback. Uh, like try to understand what what people think what are the most uh, most painful things uh, in their daily lives so that you're actually solving that that proper and the right problems so so some sort of a reflection is needed of course one might have some hypothesis but then sort of uh, validating that uh, together with the organization uh, then what else comes to my mind is that uh, like especially in the beginning so focus on depth before width and and what i mean mean with that so get really a sharp focus on some areas on whether it would be even a one team so mm. so focus on that one get get the things running there get a couple of small victories and and then probably celebrate spread the message Uh, out of that so then so then actually people start to want it once you have made it attractive so so that's uh that's like at least from my point of view it's a good way and then as well once the transformation is panning out and, and spreading throughout the organization so still you need to select the battles and 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 the sort of you're not able to go everywhere but you need to select and prioritize so so that then of course uh you're not able to prioritize uh only from the like from the tech point of view but probably the prioritization should be aligned with the business priorities for example if this business segment or or this 
product or, or portfolio is the most important for our company. So then we should make that uh, to go to the DevOps uh, direction first and then probably concentrate to, to other other businesses. So it's about the prioritization as well. Yeah. And I and I I would imagine that it, it totally depends on the team um, where they have the depth and where they do not have. So depending on the team, some teams are really good at, at like really uh, their capabilities are very high already but they might have a development area somewhere else whereas if you pick another team then then you know their situation can be the opposite and there's a there's a someone might say that there's an academic conversation but i think it's not only academic between the the terms maturity and capability and mm. i i wanted to ask your opinion about this 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 matter so in in some uh, some sort of groups or literature the definition of uh, maturity is that there is a certain level that that mm. you have to take a like, set of capabilities and then together bring them to a certain level and that gives you a maturity level and then you need to take yet another incremental set of capabilities and then together develop them so you get to another level of maturity and then you could say that those maturity levels are somewhat static Um, mm. Whereas this sort of capability um, point of view is that organization and, and teams are in, in continuous flux and then you are constantly learning and constantly developing and there's no such thing as maturity level. There's just uh, like an ever ongoing improvement of your capabilities. Uh, where do you stand with this considering that you have now seen tens and tens of maybe hundreds of teams and you have seen their capabilities is there such a thing as a maturity level or is it just this continuous improvement of daily work and capabilities yeah uh, rather tough question <laughs> but yeah if i like uh, start to uh, digest in like in a small batches uh, as we do in devops so uh, i think uh, yeah you need definitely both you need that the, the maturity and you need the capabilities as we have done it so uh, we have this sort of a maturity assessment of teams but and there are some some levels that that when you are in certain capability when you are in the mvp level and when you're optimized in an optimized level so there are some levels but i don't see those like really really that important of course those play a certain role uh but but you need to have certain capabilities to to reach the maturity but but still i i think that it's because you ask is it a continuous sort of uh involvement of things so i would say yes and and probably the the maturity assessment for the next year uh have improved because we have learned so i would say that the levels are not static and and we we haven't grouped those uh, those capabilities in a way that this set of uh, capabilities are forming this maturity level and and that goes on but but we have grouped those probably from a bit different point of view uh, and then uh, what comes to maturity as well 
I think it includes the, the mindset part as well. So you can have the capabilities, you can have the technical capabilities uh, from the architecture testing development point of view, but then when it comes to maturity, so it needs the mindset too, and that takes time, as you said. So, so like, and again, the capabilities might reveal the shortcomings in the maturity as it includes the mindset as well. So I would say, continuously building the capabilities and then the maturity comes there like as a team and and at op we're aiming to build end-to-end -end competent teams and it's really a tough journey mm. uh, for major like major part of the teams so there are a lot of things to be taken into account once you're building end-to-end -end capable team uh, so uh, and and then probably Again, one thing is that the maturity in team is uh, is not enough because then you have the bigger organization. In our case, you have the tribes there. Then you have mm. the like the organization have several tribes, and if you have a team that is mature enough and they are five star DevOps team, so still it might be that the tribe how the tribe is working is hindering the progress of that five-star DevOps team. Right. So you need to scale that as well into the tribe level, into the organization level, and then going all the way to the corporation level, there, there might be that, like, let's say a budgeting process or, or whatever, then might sort of hinder the agility of, of a single team. Yeah, interesting. Um, and and come to think of it, uh, this spring, so there was it must have been the May issue of Harvard Business Review. There was a uh, there was an article about agile C suite, which goes which goes back to the very point that you just made, in mm. that that organizations can adopt um, sort of agile leadership style in different levels of organization. It, it doesn't have to be a team level, but it can go all the way up to your executive team and they they all have um, they all have something to to adopt it's a different thing for different levels of course but it, they are fundamentally based on the on the similar things which is give trust to the people and uh, let people figure out uh, how they should do things instead of trying to micromanage them and and you know give time for learning and there there are these these same patterns that repeat irrespective of level of organization that you're talking about yeah exactly and and i think we are in a in a happy place from that point of view since we we're like able to communicate with the c-suite and the and the executives like if not in a daily basis so in a regular basis and and we have a sort of a connection and and the feedback channels in place that we we sort of share the same understanding and we're able to have a have a good discussions and, and therefore like improve our our things at all times. Fantastic. Hey, we we are running out of time. We had uh, one hour booked for this um, and uh, we have used that effectively and I, I, I very much uh, appreciate you taking the time. And if there are people out there who would like to get in touch with you, is there is there a way to find you um, online somehow? Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh... I'd say LinkedIn is is the is the best media for this purpose. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to share share ideas and and discuss discuss with people about 
this topic. So feel free to contact. Wonderful. Well, with that, um, I thank you for your time. And it, uh, it was an enjoyable talk. Yeah, thanks. That was Henry from OP. We referred to quite some terms and materials during the discussion. So be sure to check out the show notes for links to our take on the latest DORA State of DevOps report, the Agile C-Suite article referred from the Harvard Business Review, and blog posts and pages about our DevOps transformation offering. And of course, Henry's LinkedIn profile. With that, I say thank you for listening and remember to select your battles and use DevOps tools to reveal shortcomings in the culture. Thank you.